0: He's here! Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he be like? What would he do? Mountains would have bowed down. Seas would have roared. Trees would have clapped their hands. But the earth held its breath as silent as snow falling he came in and when no one was looking in the darkness he came there was a young girl who was engaged to a man named joseph joseph was the great 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 grandson of king david one morning this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared Right there, in her bedroom. He was Gabriel, and he was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall, shining man standing there, Mary was frightened. You don't need to be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if perhaps he was talking to someone else. Mary, Gabriel said, And he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with sudden tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy. You will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer. The God who flung planets into space and kept them whirling around and around. The God who made the universe with just a word. The one who could do anything at all was making himself small and coming down as a baby. Wait, God was sending a baby to rescue the world? But it's too wonderful, Mary said, and felt her heart beating hard. How can it be true? Is anything too wonderful for God? Gabriel asked. So Mary trusted God more than what her eyes could see, and she believed. I am God's servant, she said. Whatever God says, I will do. Sure enough, it was just as the angel had said, nine months later, Mary was almost ready to have her baby. Now, Mary and Joseph had to take a trip to Bethlehem the town King David was from. But when they reached the little town, they found every room was full, every bed was taken. Go away, the innkeepers told them, there isn't any place for you. Where would they stay? Soon Mary's baby would come. They couldn't find anywhere except an old tumble town stable. So they stayed where the cows and the donkeys and the horses stayed. And there, in the stable, amongst the chickens and the donkeys and the cows, in the quiet of the night, God gave the world his wonderful gift. The baby that would change the world was born. His baby son. Mary and Joseph wrapped him up to keep him warm. They made a soft bed of straw and used the animal's feeding trough as his cradle. And they gazed in wonder at God's great gift, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Mary and Joseph named him Jesus, Emmanuel, which means God has come to live with us, because, of course, he had
1: About this, yeah, looks good. Yeah, right. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm just six feet closer, and that uh, that doesn't look good at all. Hey, if you're visiting here today, uh, do you have batteries uh, on you? (laughs) No, we're 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 glad you're here. Glad you're visiting with us. Um, I was from the Storybook uh, Bible that uh, Sally Lloyd Jones wrote, and uh, over the next uh, few months, that's what we're going to be focusing on. This. chapter by chapter, the New Testament part about um, that every story whispers his name. So we're going to be going through the, the New Testament part and uh, oh, oh, just, just just put it back in there and we'll make them work. Jess, Jess took it. That's great when you're trying to communicate with each other behind the scenes at this That's weekend. right. This is Rose Locke. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Rose is, Rose is responsible for the creative stuff around here. You know all this stuff, and yay, Rose! And she loves to be the center of attention. <laughs> so, um, if, you, if 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 uh, as parents or even grandparents, if you don't have a copy of that, that book, Every Story Whispers His Name, uh, go go on Amazon, grab one, because that's over the next uh, four months. That's what we're going to be focusing on. Um, and playing these little uh, um, little scripts from that book uh, as we focus on that. I, I'm sure you all are aware of the old adage that um, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. I know just a moment ago you thought uh, Mark's, uh, Mark's uh, batteries are out. We're not going to listen to them. Look, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is because we have different sources here. Um, but, you know, a, f- a friend will come and say, hey, I've got a great investment opportunity. Uh, if you do this investment, um, you know, by the end of the year, uh, your principal is going to grow by 50 percent. And if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Or you see an advertisement for some, uh, you know, some facial cream that says if you use this for 30 days, it'll knock 30 years off uh, the way you look. Now, there's a miracle. Yeah, who, would say, sign me up, someone said? If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Or a, a politician will say, um, we're, we're going to spend $3.5 trillion, and it's not going to cost you, it's, it's going to cost zero dollars.
0: <laughs> if
1: it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And I wonder if, uh, if uh, Mary... Once you heard the angel Gabriel say, you're going to give birth to the Messiah, it, it probably sounded just too good to be true. Thank you, Rose. But you know, when it comes to God, when God does it, it may seem too good to be true, but it rarely is. In fact, it never is too good to be true. Take your Bibles and turn it into Luke chapter 1. This, uh, this Christmas story, um, fascinating story, very familiar as we read it all the time at this time of year. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was perplexed of this statement, kept pondering, what kind of a salutation was this? And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this thing be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month, for nothing will be impossible with God. Now there's so much in this passage, deep theological truths about the Incarnation, but i want to focus on uh, those two statements. Uh, one, the question by Mary, how can this be, I'm a virgin? And the answer from Gabriel, nothing is impossible with God. Now Mary's question is perfectly logical, is it not? I mean, she didn't need a course in biology to figure this out. How can this be, I'm a virgin? She's engaged to Joseph. The marriage has not been consummated. She points out the most obvious. I hear what you're saying, Gabriel, but how can this thing be? I'm a virgin. She could have added all sorts of things to that list. How can this thing be? Look, we're, I'm a poor peasant girl. Uh, Joseph, my son, is a poor peasant carpenter. I mean, we're from Nazareth, for Pete's sake. We know nothing of power and prestige of, of the holy city of Jerusalem, where the Messiah is supposed to reign. What? How can this thing be? No, the words of Gabriel were not just too good to be true. They were probably, in her mind, too absurd to be true. And yet, there he was, standing there in all his brilliance. Gabriel, the brilliant light shining, and him saying what he said. And I mean, how can you deny it? Don't ever underestimate God. Nothing is impossible with him. And here we are, what, some 2,000 years later, celebrating the impossible, the birth of Jesus, the Son of God who became the Son of Man, who wrapped himself up in humanity and came into our world to die for our sins. The God-man becoming a, a servant to serve us. The Ancient of Days becoming a newborn baby. The one who created the first woman is now being birthed by a woman. It's amazing. The one who spoke all the worlds into existence by the sheer power of his word the stars were hung in space and now here he is gurgling and cooing as a baby. The birth of of Jesus has huge eternal infinite implications but But this morning, allow me just to focus on that very simple thought. When God says it, believe it. Because nothing is impossible with God. Like when he says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31 Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles, they will run and not get tired, they will walk and not become weary. He means that because nothing is impossible with God. Or when he says in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. When God said that, he meant it. <laughs> And nothing is impossible with God. Or when God said in uh, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Enjoy me, he says, and I'll give you the desires of heart. He meant that. Nothing is impossible with God to perform it. Or Isaiah chapter 50, call upon me in the day of trouble and I shall rescue you and you will honor me. Or do you find yourself in a situation you can't get yourself out of? Call upon me, says God. I'll rescue you creatively, according to his will, and you'll honor me. He meant that when he wrote it, because nothing is impossible with God. Or how about when God says in in Matthew chapter 6 do not worry then, saying, What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear for clothing? But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about the cares of this world. It's like, come on, I'm, I, I'm going to take care of you. And when he said that, he meant it. And nothing's impossible with God. He'll perform it. He said this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight: Come on to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. He meant that. He wasn't blowing smoke at us. He meant it, and nothing is impossible with God. Or when God tells us when we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You mean to tell me that my imperfections that I'm going to sin today and tomorrow and the rest of my life you mean the things I'm going to do 10 years from now if God gives me life and I, I know I'm going to mess up at some point? You mean God's not going to hold that against me in some form or fashion, going to weigh it all when I die and if my bad stuff outweighs my good stuff, I, I, I lose out on heaven? No, because he said there's therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you're in Christ Jesus any minute. And he's able to perform that. Nothing's impossible with God. Or again in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purpose. God can perform in such a way that even the bad things in our life, if we are pursuing him, if we love him, he can make those things turn out for good. Well, He said it and he meant it. Is anything too hard for God? Or again in chapter 8, he says, if God is for us, then who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? He's promised us every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. He's transformed us as new creations in Christ. All things passed away. All things have become new. That's what He said, And he meant it. And nothing is impossible with God. Or again in Romans chapter 8, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing will separate us from his love. He meant that. You mean, when I fail him in some way tomorrow or the next day, when I Besmirch his name by the way I, I've acted or something I've said. Nothing separates us from his love. It's eternal. And he meant that. And nothing is impossible with God. Or he says in Second Corinthians chapter one that God is the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. So that we'll be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Uh, Call upon me in the day of trouble. I'll comfort you. Everybody else may depart. I mean, there'll be empty words from maybe everybody else, but I'll comfort you. And he meant that. And nothing is impossible with God. Or he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. Paul wrote that after he had prayed three times that some thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, would be removed from him. And God says, No, uh uh. No, I'm not going to do that, but you'll see my power perfected in your weakness. Just trust me. Because when I said that, I meant it. Nothing is impossible with me, says God. When God says and tells us in Philippians chapter 4, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Talk to me. You got some burden going on? Something that's waking you up at three in the morning? Something that is weighing in on you? Well, talk to me about it. Come to me. But don't worry about it because I'll perform, I'll comfort you, and I'll give you my peace and it'll pass all understanding. You'll be filled with my peace. You'll sleep like a baby. David found that out, by the way, in Psalm 3. Because I mean what I said. And nothing is impossible for me to accomplish. He'll say this in the next few verses later, in Philippians 4, 19, My God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. My God will supply all your needs. According to his will, but according to the riches of his glory, not according to the riches of your glory, not according to the the riches of the government's glory, according to the riches of his, the riches in his glory in Christ Jesus. I'll provide for you. And God meant it. And nothing is impossible with God. He promises us in Galatians 6, 9, let us not lose heart in doing good. In due time, we will reap if we do not grow weary. In due time, you'll reap. Lord, I, I can't. <laughs> I can't spend another day in the nursery with those little kids. Or I can't. I can't. I've had enough with junior hires. I can't do this, Lord. I'm a parent, but I didn't expect it would be like this. Lord, I'm a. I'm a medical provider. I'm a first responder. I. I I don't know if I can take another step. Don't go grow weary in well-doing. God says, I, in due time, you will reap. There will be wonderful rewards for you. That's what he promised. And he meant it. And nothing is impossible with God. God tells us in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6, I will never desert you. I will never forsake you so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? He meant that. Nothing is impossible for God. He will help us. He will never forsake us. He means that. Because nothing is impossible with God. He tells us in James chapter 1, verse 5 But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously without reproach, and it'll be given to him. Lord, I can't figure out this thing called life. In fact, I don't, I don't know what college I should attend, or I don't know who should I how I handle this relational situation. Lord, I, I don't have a clue how I'm going to get. Out of this particular mess. He says, Well, ask me for wisdom. Just have you ever thought of that? Ask me for wisdom. Well, it doesn't really work that way. Well, why not? says God. I mean, I mean it. And nothing is impossible for me. Or when we read in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. He's inviting us to cast our care upon him. <clears throat> he cares for us. And he meant that. And nothing is impossible for God. We read in 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous. He's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, I have failed you once again. I've got to be an embarrassment to you. I'm sure I have to do some penance here to get into good graces with you again. If I take the next 30 days and read my Bible diligently and do all these things, I, I, will, will you forgive me? And God says, look, if you just agree with me that you've sinned, if you confess your sins, I'm faithful and just, I will forgive you your sins. and I'll, I'll cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Look, we'll be back in fellowship together. And he meant that because nothing is impossible with God. He tells us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, this is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that the requests that we have asked from him, will we'll get. I mean, he's, he's faithful. He says, get to know me. Get into my word. Understand my will, my heart, and ask accordingly. I mean it. Nothing is impossible for me, says God. It tells us in Revelation chapter 21, behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and he will dwell among them. They shall be his people and God himself will be among them and he will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying. There will be no longer any pain. God says, I'm going to remake everything. The first order is going to be passing and I'm going to bring in something entirely new that this world has never seen. There's going to be no more sickness and death and no more crying and no more pain. I'm going to wipe every tear from every eye. And God, we're in the midst of crying and pain and sorrow and agony. And Are you sure you're going to do this? God says, I said it. I mean it. And nothing is impossible with me, says God. And when he says at the very end of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 22, verse 12, behold, I'm coming quickly. My reward is with me to render to every man what he has done. I'm coming quickly, he says. He means that. And nothing is impossible with God. And when Jesus said in in John chapter 5, verse 24 and 25, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment but has passed out of death into life. Whoever hears my word and simply believes him who sent me, that I offer a free gift of eternal life, that my work on the cross is paid for your sins, that you have to do nothing, nothing but put your faith in me. And when you put your faith in me, you've got it right then, eternal life. And you won't come under judgment you have, past tense, passed out of death into life. And he meant it. And nothing is impossible with God. He meant it. You know, if God, if God could make a way for sinners to get to heaven, to have eternal life, If God could simply make it happen that all we have to do is put our trust in Him and the free gift of eternal life is ours from that moment forever, if God could do that, God can make a way for us no matter what the obstacle is in life that we face, no matter what it is we're facing in a given day, in a given lifetime. If God could get us to heaven, He can do anything. Because nothing is impossible with God. We celebrate Christmas. What we're celebrating, not to oversimplify it, but what we're celebrating is that God made a promise that he was going to send his son, and he did it. He made a promise. He kept his word. And as we go through the next few days, a week and a half, and as we celebrate Christmas and we see the little nativity scenes with the baby Jesus and we sing our songs and open our presents, we, it, it, we should always be reminded this season God kept His word. He's the God who performs. He promised it and He brought it to pass because nothing is impossible with God. He did it. How can this be? Did you ask that question this week? or This last month Sometime in this past year, oh God, I, I, I don't know how this can be. The loneliness is overwhelming me. I, I can't do this. God, the heartache is so, it's so pressing in on me. I can't take another step. Lord God, th- this, this, this relationship is is too ugly, it's too painful. I, I can't stay in it. Lord, this grief is so heavy, this pain is so heavy, I can't bear it. I cannot take one more step. How can this be? And God's answer is always, Nothing is impossible with God. If Christmas is anything, it's a story of the impossible giving way to the possible because of a powerful God performing it. It's that simple. And that's something to celebrate. It's something to be joyful about. There's a God in heaven who performs powerfully the impossible He makes it possible. By the way, don't you just love Mary's response? I didn't read verse 38, but Mary's response in verse 38 was, Behold the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your will. Here I am, Lord. I mean, you're God, I'm not. So so do with me what you want. Just a few minutes before, Mary had looked at herself and said, how? She looked at the circumstances of her life and she said, how? And then Gabriel pointed her to a God of the impossible and her tune changed to, well, why not? <laughs> Nothing is impossible with my God. She, she breaks out in song, verse 46. Mary said, my soul exalts in the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has had regard for the humble state of his bondslave. For behold, from this time on, all generations will count me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is upon generation after generation toward those who fear him. And he's done mighty deeds with his arm. He scattered those who are proud in the thoughts of their heart. He's brought down rulers from their thrones. He's exalted those who are humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He sent away the rich empty-handed. He's given help to Israel, his servant, in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Nothing is impossible with God. Here's this little peasant gal in Nazareth who's had an encounter with the living God and a simple reminder. What do you mean, how? <laughs> Don't you know that nothing is impossible with God? And this simple little peasant girl, she said, you're right. Greatly is the Lord, greatly to be praised. How magnificent is the Lord. How mighty is his deeds. And I will not... Forget. Now, we don't obviously have a great Gabriel that shows up in our, <laughs> in our room and you know, slaps us in the face and reminds us, don't you know, nothing's impossible with God, but you know, we've got, I think we've got something better. We've got a book full of the stories of a God who has done mighty deeds. Reminders over and over again that great is the Lord, highly to be praised that nothing is impossible with my God. So may this Christmas reignite in our heart a, a faith that burns hot with this reminder. When I face the impossible, it turns into the possible because a powerful God has promised nothing is impossible for me. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for a reminder from your word of your faithfulness to it, your faithfulness to us. Let, Father, no matter what comes our way in life and in death, we serve a God of the impossible, a mighty God who is mighty in love and mercy and grace. Every promise of that book is mine. As Peter says in Second Peter, he's given us these magnificent and rich promises. Father, this season I do pray that we will often be reminded that in that incarnation you blew us away when you made the impossible possible and you sent your Son to save us.